Hi, welcome back to Books and Broomsticks. I'm Chaotic Witchaunt. And I'm at Hatter Place. And today we have a very special guest with us. It is Owen. Owen, can you tell us where we can find you? If you have a business, if you have a podcast. Hey, I, I am Owen Ankyluk. You can find me on Twitter. And that's about it at the minute. I sort of took a little bit of a step back from everything, but I'm very happy to be here today. Thank you very much. You can also listen to my podcast that I run with my good friend Kateri, where we talk about tarot cards and, you know, some other stuff. It's not a very serious podcast. We, We talk a lot of rubbish. We do not take this very seriously at all. And we are, in fact, on a little bit of a break right now. But my name is Owen Ankylock. You can find me everywhere with that. And in all of my links are all connected. So you'll 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 find your way. You will. Oh, sounds perfect. I love that. Um I'm switching. So today Owen is with us here today to talk about um to start off with like our one of one of our regional witchcraft or folk magic episodes. We did one with Flasta on Slavic witchcraft. Um and today we are talking about Irish folk magic. Um Owen Woo. is, if you can hear from the accent actually irish <laughs> do you want me to, i don't know do you want me to really do you want me to really really lean into it and talk about my mother and my father and all the people no <laughs> please but i do think i don't know I think why that, listen i've met a lot of irish folk practitioners in my day and by a lot i mean five only like three of them were actually irish it's just that just tickled me they're actually authority lives in ireland all right well for a while he for a while they lived in like a box in the netherlands so we're not getting into that today um no a little bit later on how um irish folk magic in other countries and how that sort of Oh, I would love to talk about that. That'd be hot. That'd be sexy. Um, We're going to start off with just a conversation, just as like, is Irish folk magic similar to other folk magics? And if so, how? Well, I would say no, because I have an individuality complex. No, but like, I would say that it's not mainly because I don't really think that folk magics are very similar to each other. I think in sort of countries where there may have been a little bit more um, intermingling between peoples and cultures there's going to be a little bit of similarity there um, but I think in general it's going to be kind of different um, I mean it's still going to be mostly practiced by like historically by poor people or by women and sort of by minorities against an oppressor because we've had a few of those um, <laughs> so I would say that it's similar in terms of like politics but in terms of practice no not really because it's so heavily based in the land of Ireland itself and like sort of the spirits of Ireland and like the land spirits of Ireland, which I personally believe are very different from other land spirits, um, at least in my experience. And it's just, I would say, I would, okay, I'm not going to say you'll be completely lost, but I will say that it is definitely, it's definitely a breath of fresh air or it's something, it's something different that you definitely have to do a little bit more research on. I mean, and that does make sense when you talk about uh, folk practice being, you know, from the folk. The more traditional you get, you mm-hmm. look at the old um, recording of folk. It, it didn't used to be a, a group of individuals with a shared common belief. Uh, traditional mm-hmm. folk was peasants. It was the poor people. Yeah. 
so that's why typically when we're talking about tradition, um, folk practice is usually done by poorer people or people who are without power. I could actually imagine them. They're like, thank you. That's exactly like what dramatic. I just- Um, So you're talking a lot about kind of the working with land spirits, etc. Would you say that there are main parts or like kind of an anatomy to Irish folk magic um, that we could comprehend as non-Irish folk? Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, with a a clarification. in my experience, because I've traveled a lot, I've been to like sort of different parts of Asia, different parts of Europe and stuff like that. And I've met a lot of different land spirits on my way and on my journeys, <laughs> but um, they all felt different to me. It wasn't just that like Irish land spirits were different and then everything else was the same. It was just that every different spirit that I met was so different. And the reason, so, okay. So the way that sort of land spirits work within Irish folk belief is, or at least in my, area of it or like within my family and stuff like that it's sort of like a tiered system and like a little system of spirits and i was actually talking about this the other day with someone that i has a has a really really good interpretation of it i can't remember what it was but i was like you're so smart that is so cool but basically there is a very overarching sort of spirit and that would be the land spirit of ireland and i refer to that spirit as danu and which some people might be familiar with some people might not be but I'll get I'll get back to that later. And then sort of you go a little bit lower on the tier. So Danu's at the top, and that is sort of like the source energy in quotation marks again. Uh, there's a, there's gonna be a lot of quotation marks here because I do not know how to speak English properly. Um, so you're gonna have to follow along with this train of thought. And then so sort of below that would be the land, the sky, and the sea. Spirit. Spirit. <laughs> um, and they would be, they would then each have their own little subclass where it'd be a little bit more regional. So the spirit of that mountain, the spirit of the forest on that mountain, that plant, and they would all sort of trickle down and be of that same original energy and come from that. And then it's also, this is part of why I don't really, I actually find it very difficult to sort of practice my practice outside of Ireland. And it's because the way that that sort of works in our belief is when someone is born on this, like in this area, or someone has lived in this area for a very long time, they sort of become part of those energies that are around them. And it sort of makes up a little bit what they are. And it all sort of circles back to the big overarching energy um, or spirit. And that is why it's so, that's what, that's, that sort of explains a little bit better what I mean when I say that it's so regional. Um, and so sort of land-based because it's so so small it's such a small area and everyone sort of interacts with these areas differently but then it all sort of comes from the overarching energy anyway but that might explain a little bit better what i meant that's if I didn't very it interesting like because italian folk magic to my knowledge doesn't really have a tier of spirits mm-hmm or, or like we I don't do, want to say but we also true. like I like I we don't I don't know. <laughs> well, I do. It, I yeah. mean, Italian. Probably what I would see with Italian a lot more is that they're directly uh, influenced by Rome and the church. Obviously, mm-hmm. like is one of the big things. So your tier system is typically more biblical than it is yeah. land. Um, but I I don't know. I'm not the one who studies Italian. Uh, 
you know, folk practice. Well, I would say that, I mean, and that's another topic that we can talk about is um, the syncretization, syncretization of Catholicism and Christianity with Irish folk magic, specifically St. Bridget and Bridget. Um, because oh. in Italy, it's so rooted in the Italian folk magic. There's so much syncretization that if you are outside of that, you are considered like a witch and that's bad. Um, even it, like every ounce of Italian folk magic needs to be filtered through a Catholic lens. Yeah, I mean, the thing about that is there are very, very small parts of Irish folk belief and Irish paganism that haven't been touched in some way by Catholicism. Um, I wouldn't pers- personally, I, I, I say this quite a lot, and it's a little bit of a hotter take, just a little bit of a hotter take, but I genuinely believe that if you were not incorporating some element of Catholicism or at least acknowledging its existence within Irish folk paganism and Irish folk belief you are not getting the full picture and I see this a lot with Bridget specifically because people will be like they will scroll through all of this information scroll sure um and they will Wait. try to pick apart <laughs> say pick apart scroll to me again scroll. say scroll scroll <laughs> it's fine Sorry. I love it so much. (laughs) Listen, if you let me like actually, if I, it's once I start speaking very quickly and like I get very passionate about something, it seriously comes out. You're going to hear me drop some P's. You're going to hear me lose some H's and it's going to be horrific. You're going to hit it. I promise. But um, they will go through all of this information and then they will sort of try to pick apart the Catholicism from paganism and it doesn't work. And the reason that it doesn't work is because all of the sort of written accounts that we have, at least the original written accounts of Irish paganism, came from Christian monks. And they were very accurate. I see this a lot. I see sort of descendants of Irish diaspora will sort of, can I swear? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because I said rubbish earlier instead of shit, and I had no idea what was coming out of my mouth. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) They sort of shit all over these Christian monks and they're like, they ripped the pagans from the roots, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, okay, but sort of not really. They were, we were, we were, in terms of Christianity, we were much more willing than we were fighting against it when we were converting. And it's because we kept so much of the original stuff. But I digress. Um, to get back to the main like point, what we will do is they sort of shit on these Christian monks because they wrote down these stories. Um, but a lot of these people don't realize that if the Christian monks hadn't written down these stories and it continued to be an oral tradition, with them being so far removed from the culture, they wouldn't have any access to it at all. Shout out to the monks. Yeah, shout out to the monks. Listen, yeah, sometimes they were... monks don't suck. Yeah, sometimes monks don't suck, okay? Sometimes. I'm, and um, yeah, this does go into like history and although it doesn't seem like it should be really, really obvious, it, it should be. And I think that this is an American problem as well. Um, mm-hmm. The Druids or the pagans of Irish descent were doing fantastic, had amazing oral traditions. But the problem was, much like indigenous people as well, we didn't write shit down. So it was either... No convert and keep the stuff or it was uh be slaughtered and all of your traditions die with it 
Um, so I could see where, yeah. you know, you go, okay, fine. You wrote it down, whatever. <laughs> it's just okay. fine. Yeah, it's just like, okay, you wrote it down. Listen, you're still calling her Bridget. I don't care. We move. We move. Um, and that was sort of the mindset as well. And so that is why even... Oh my god, I, I just, like, five different um, side notes just came up in my head and I'm trying so oh, hard to push fantastic. them down right now so I can we love finish my notes. sentence. Don't worry, <laughs> go on. It'll make great beat okay. real. <laughs> <laughs> um, the speaking of sort of that syncretization, in modern Irish Catholicism, which has become very, very separated from the church because of the like tragedies and horrors that they've committed in Ireland and all over the world and um, there's a lot of disillusionment with the church even amongst older generations of people and um, I know a lot of old lady atheists now that would never have happened 10 years ago <gasps> old lady ago, atheists I love See, old that, lady atheists damn they call themselves old lady atheists but what they actually do is when they are praying they pray to their they're dead relatives <laughs> and oh. i am not a but yeah um a lot there's a lot of this going around and that is actually it's that's not uncommon within like irish catholicism as well like you do that in irish catholicism mm-hmm. um you're just like like similarly to the way that you would have saying you're like hey you're closer to that guy get him to listen up okay um and so <laughs> There's that disillusionment with the church because of the mother and baby homes and because of all of the awful things that the Catholic Church in Ireland has done to women, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to their bodily autonomy and abortion in the last 100, 200, 300 years. Um, and so a lot of people, there's been a little bit of a pagan revival, neo-pagan revival, to the point where I believe it's in it's in Louth somewhere. I think it's in Dundalk. Um, there is a mural and it is the most beautiful mural I've ever seen in my entire life and I will stand by that and it is outside a church and it is it's the entire like it's the side of a house it's huge um, and it's Bridget in all of her forms and it's sort of split in half down the middle and on the right you've got St. Bridget holding like uh, Bridget's cross and whatever whatever she's holding and then on, on the left is and she's like um, her hair is wrapped and on the left you see sort of fiery Bridget the goddess with like her long red hair and her quill and her flame and all the sort of pagan symbolism and they're painted as one right outside a church and i think it's amazing this was commissioned artwork this wasn't like 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 it's i'll send you the picture of it later i literally i did a um i was originally writing a blog post because i was writing little blog posts for a while and i was going to talk about exactly this the syncretism of bridget and saint bridget in modern paganism within ireland and it literally turned into a research paper that i did for my bachelor's (laughs) Nailed it! Love that! Uh Um, To bring us back into the outline, I have a question Uh for you. Ask away. Are the land spirits the same as the fair folk? Oh. Mm. Now this is a rabbit hole. This is absolutely a rabbit hole. It depends on who you're talking to. Um, and, well, no. <laughs> the short answer is no, but the explanation depends on who you're talking to because some people will hold them higher than land spirits and some people will hold them at the same level or some, like, lower. No, not really lower, but, like, at the same level or above. Mm-hmm. Like, adjacent. Yeah, adjacent. 
land spirit adjacent because the thing is in sort of and i hate that i have to keep using this word but egregore um in irish sort of spirituality land spirits are a lot like egregores of certain lands land pieces and fair folk aren't that they are sort of their own separate being um, and their own sort of individual spirit and there's a couple different mythologies and fairy tales and folklore and whatever but what fair folk are and how they came to be a lot of them have different origin stories because we've a, we've a very well kept record and um, both oral actually and written of the different like fair folks within ireland um and you see a lot of Okay, now this one might surprise you, actually. I, I'm so sorry, but this just popped into my head because I was thinking of examples. But um, leprechauns, yeah. as far as I'm aware, not Irish. Are they? Not Irish. Yeah. Huh? I know. Yeah. Then why are they? Irish are they... American invention. What? Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. It's also, They've gone through weird waves too, because uh, at one point it was used to kind of slur against Irish Americans, and then it was used uh, as like a term of endearment. It's super bizarre. Look up the so, history of leprechauns; it gets real strange real quick. So uh-huh. a leprechaun did not put a four-leaf clover coin in my shoe. Oh yeah, the four-leaf clover thing also pretty American. Oh my God! Very Who did American. that? Then? We have shamrocks which have three leaves and it's like the wait yeah the son the holy spirit father son the holy spirit there we go yeah (laughs) sorry it took me a second there and it's like it sort of represents the holy trinity uh the four leaves um see the thing is as well with a lot of modern irish folklore it's very very influenced by this sort of american inventions and so there's a lot of in like a lot if you ask a lot of people they won't know that. They won't know that leprechauns aren't necessarily Irish and stuff like that because that's what they're taught by the media. And that <laughs> I just like I, that sounded like I just went straight into conspiracy theory. This is what the media is teaching them, um, and they are sheep following the media. But like, <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's the basis of folklore, right? We get influenced yeah. by our each and every day, and well, once. Ireland and America had chit chat back and forth. Eventually, you're going to see modern traditions, which takes place in yeah. folklore. Exactly. Um, I yeah, and that's the thing. I'm, I would definitely not say that it's not folklore. I would just say that it's modern. I would ex- uh, exclaim, um, ascribe it the term modern. I don't know what was I trying to say here. I would make this sentence come out of my mouth with the. Uh, Oh my god, what is it called? When you like... Anyway, we move. No idea where that was going at all. I was gonna... It's a word like exclaim, but it's not. Um, okay. Anyway, definitely folklore, just modern, not traditional. Not that that's a bad thing, just something that needs to be said. Um, a distinction with the distinction. There, there we go. We go. Well, and even the word tradition is super bizarre. Like, it's basically anything that is at a point and becomes variable. So there is a point of traditional leprechaun. And then you can go further back and then there's traditional Irish tale versus traditional Irish American tale. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, exactly. It gets real strange. Like, Ireland is probably one of the key places if you want to become a folklorist to try to sort out because honestly (laughs) 
they're very there seems to be this really cool um dynamic between Ireland and Irish Americans where they're yeah. like yeah we're similar but also we're very much our own individuals uh, well I think of uh, um the diaspora of Italian Americans and what we created was like food mm-hmm. we made up certain food dishes chicken parmesan Italian American yep and, and there are a few that- other ones too and yeah there's going to be that uh-huh. high dynamic between like Italians and Italian Americans. Yes, you're both Italian in some regard, um, but there is definitely this understanding that there are traditional things that had moved in to the Americas. Mm -hmm. Um, Owen, what's your opinion on people who are non-Irish in the Americas working with the fair folk? We can also talk about in this section (laughs) the difficulty or at least your opinion of like, you know, working and being an Irish folk practitioner outside of Ireland, um, that helps. Yeah, well, I have a lot to say about that too. Listen, everything, all of the questions that you just asked me, I could write small or medium large research papers upon because there's so much here. Um, And I actually, there is a dichotomy within my mind. There is a duality in my thinking where I am contradicting myself when it comes to Irish Americans working with fairies and fair folk that are from Mm -hmm. Ireland. And it's, there's one part of me, I'm very, I'm very torn, okay? Because I truly don't care what other people are doing as long as they're not screaming about it to a hundred million followers and giving a lot of people misinformation. I Mm -hmm. deeply do not care specifically when it comes to like Irish practices because like whatever if you think you know what you're doing I'm if it's working good for you Mm -hmm. you got it to work I don't know I I couldn't do it myself but good for you um specifically when it comes to fairies a lot of Irish folklore and a lot of Irish mythology um starts with the well it doesn't start but like the parts that everyone knows it starts with the Tuatha arriving in Ireland um and burning their boats because they're doing this whole thing where they're like we are not leaving we are either dying or we're we're okay wait we're either conquering or we're dying okay that those are the two options and so it is very of the belief that they didn't leave with the irish people uh, when there was that sort of mass immigration event mm-hmm. um <laughs> which i won't get into um so it's like yeah like mythologically and folklorically it's very much established that they don't leave that like this is where they're going and even when they lost the battle and didn't die they went sort of underground into the fairy hills and the fairy forts and the fairy rings and the fairy trees everything the fairy everythings Mm -hmm. um and that is where they went and that is where they stayed because they didn't want to leave um but there is also something to be said about the power of folk stories and the stories that these people brought to America with them when they left and the sort of energies that they created with these stories themselves even if they weren't necessarily the original spirits 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 um that these stories are about and so I personally believe sort of this literally if you ask me this question tomorrow I swear to god I will give you a different answer because this changes on the daily Mm -hmm. it depends on my mood um 
I personally believe that the sort of I should also get into working with fair, fairies in general and whether or not that is something that is actually done. I forgot about that completely. All That's right. another sort of side note. But um, the it's I believe that if these people are working with these energies, they're working more so with the created sort of spirits and egregores of the stories and the people themselves and not so much the like actual spirit and that's not necessarily a lesser thing or anything different it's just it's just it's just slightly a little bit to the left um Adjacent. working with fairies in general that's that's a that's also a very complicated one because there is a deep instilled fear in irish people of fairies to this day where we still a lot of our fa fairies a lot of our superstitions are based around not angering them um or doing things that will please them like oh let me th okay so this is sort of an archaic one because we don't wash our clothes in the sink anymore but if you're throwing water out the window you always look out the window first you look down and you're like okay well there's no fairies here okay i can throw my water out the window now um and to this day like you still you sort of you, you check down you're like nope not gonna die today and you chuck your glass of water out the window um we never really there was never really an established sort of tradition for working with them we did they were okay there was like last resorts where like okay i'm probably gonna die anyway so i'm gonna ask them for help um and i think in scotland it was similar like that as well we were a little bit more established in our or at least a little bit more open to working with them than i think scottish people were they have a much more stuff against them like they don't bring they don't bring they don't bring blackthornwood inside the house because depends who you're talking to you're inviting in fairies whereas when we want to invite in fairies we bring blackthornwood inside the house so we're like okay time to hang this above the door um and it's sort of it's sort of like that it'll also it's regional it'll depend on who you talk to that sort of disclaimer blah 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 um but that is my experience with it at least so there's modern sort of an invention of a fairy path. And um, I believe Morgan Daimler sort of established a tradition with themselves of working with fae, um, which is a word I don't like to use because it just rolls off my tongue horrifically. Um, fae, no, doesn't work, fae. don't like it. Um, fae. And people are like, I love I loved this sort of like um, drama that was happening for a while where people were saying that like they were culturally appropriating the Irish word fae. And I was like, I guarantee you, they are not. <laughs> that is not an Irish word. <laughs> I promise you, nope. It's <laughs> that audio that's it's like it's... Gyllenhaal. It's pronounced Gyllenhaal. I guarantee you, it is not. <laughs> so the question I have though <laughs> is with this whole like, fae fairy whatever pathway um do you feel like it's the more romanticized victorian fairies in comparison to actual like irish practice uh because we because it just seems like every time i hear somebody say i work with fairies they're always telling me about frilly pretty uh pixies that you see from a dreamworks film um i i'm so glad that you brought that up um, specifically sort of the Victorian era fairy and how it influenced sort of Irish fairies um, because it, it didn't <laughs> like it did hugely sort of in terms of like how people perceive them but like there was never really any stories necessarily written about like these little fairies like floating around with their little like like Tinkerbell is not Irish that was never a problem um, but yes actually I definitely believe 
that people sort of go into this path looking at looking at Irish fairies with the precursor that they're going to be similar or at least that they can look at them through the same worldview and lens as sort of that Victorian Tinkerbell sparkles and friendliness type thing. Oof. And then I also see fear mongering on it too. So it's it's a very double-sided coin. Yeah. Um do you believe that well and I know you talked a lot about folk magic being very regional. Um when we talk and when we have conversations about Celtic pantheons, how is that an incorrect statement and what is your opinion? Uh, so <laughs> The, the term Celtic Pantheon, um, I think my face actually just got red. Like I'm not like not like with anger or anything like that, but just like sheer exasperation of talking <laughs> about this topic. But Celtic is a very large word. It's a big boy, okay? Um, it it's got very large hands and it has got its thumb in every single pie all around the globe. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a very extended metaphor. <laughs> but basically, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't think it's specific enough. I don't think there's ever really a scenario where it is useful necessarily, because even sort of groups that are classed together as Celtic, um, I don't really necessarily see the need for them to be within the same category. Um, with like, yes, they've got like shared stuff and stuff like that, but like, we also have shared stuff with, I don't know, I've just lost my examples so quickly. Um, yeah, Italy. So just because we both have very Catholic inspired um, practices or like folk practices, does that mean that they're the same? No, obviously they're completely different. And that's sort of how I feel about the word Celtic because people will say the Celtic pantheon and they will lump in Welsh, Scottish, even, uh, well, Irish, obviously, and even some, um, like lesser Roman deities and like with the link between Gaul and stuff like that. And I even once seen someone say the, oh, what is the English, the English one, the, that one story in England. <laughs> you know, that one story in England. Don't, in don't England. worry. There's not like hundreds of stories from England no. that, that I could. Arthurian, the like, Arthurian legend. That's what it was. Uh, okay. I've seen people lump in, um, oh, what was their like, their little magic island called Avalon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So, like, Morgan Le Fay's type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it Avalon? Is that what I'm thinking? Yes, I think that's that... the name. I don't remember okay. for it sure. It is. I... It is. It's Avalon. You oh, dumbass. Right, I wasn't sure. I genuinely was not sure if that was, like, what I was thinking of it's or Avalon. if that was, like, a Microsoft brand. Because okay. it sounds like a, like, it sounds like a makeup brand. I'm sorry, but it does. I, um, I know. I know that uh, I'm going to get roasted at some point for this, but who still looks at King Arthur? <laughs> Genuinely, I do not know. I want to know this question because I want to meet this person. And I want to put a bucket over their head and start banging on it with a spoon because there's no need for all of this mixing that's like... Okay, I'll, let me get back to my main point. Of I've seen people mix in characters from Arthurian legend with Irish pagan deities and called it the Celtic pantheon. And I'm just sitting there and my mind is starting to melt out my ears. Um, I, so, yeah, I think, I think that sort of 
establishes my opinion on the word Celtic and its use in modern paganism. I think it can be useful for um, sort of maybe people who are connecting to different homelands. So maybe you've got a little bit of Scottish, a little bit of Irish and you're mixing it together, a little bit of Welsh thrown in there, why not? I would consider that to be Celtic paganism. But usually when people are saying Celtic paganism, they're talking about like a neo-Wiccan Irish weird crossover event that like like a really weird baby that no one wanted. It's just there's no need for it. I'm like, <laughs> well, and my thing is, it's like that feels a little harmful to like these very well-established cultures. Well, it is a big time, huge because to this day, um, there's this book. Be- uh, that I well, I I mean I've named this book on my social media before. Can I name it on this podcast or what? Do you, what do you think? Go for it. Tending Bridget's Flame by Lunea Weatherstone. Metaphorically, this book is in my bin, um, <laughs> because it has created this sort of idea that Namarigna, which is not one person, is the it's mother multiple. of Bridget. Yeah. What? Yeah. And Hold so on. Multi- Wait, what? Multiple person is now one person's mom? Nice. Yeah. Because, what? okay, the thing is, Namarigna is a mo- No, it doesn't make sense because, well, there's one of them, depending on who you ask, that's called Morigu, who would also refer to as like the Morrigan or on Morrigan. But that is also an individual title for all of them individually. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like, I guess, the reasoning behind it. But there is literally nothing to support this whatsoever. But because this book has become so popular, this has become a very, very well-known fact. And I say that as sarcastically as I can, because this is not something like this is genuinely everywhere that I look. People are saying that Namarina is the mother of Bridget. I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm like, one source, I'm begging you, just one single source. I don't care if it's an old man who's like rotting in a corner in Kerry. If he says it, I will take that as one source, please. Just one, one One. single source. And this is like, when I say that this has like made a very, very huge impact, I'm not exaggerating because this has become like, this is starting to be written down in Irish mythology books um, because it's become sort of like, it's like, oh, well, everyone knows this. And I'm like, no. No, we don't. This is not anything that anybody knows. Please. Um, I promise you. And it all stemmed from this one book that is not even, I don't believe, 10 years old. And just loads of stuff like that. Even with people calling Namarigna, Lady Morrigan. Um, that is something that's become quite popular as well. But if you actually, because Morrigan is obviously an Irish word, or like Namarigna, that's Irish. And it means the great queens. So when you put lady in front of that, you're saying lady great queen. And that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, we love a triple title. And what do you mean? Listen, listen to me. <laughs> listen, oh, listen to me. We do not love a triple title. <laughs> Especially when people are saying that this is a triple goddess. <laughs> Oh, what? What do you mean? I thought we loved when we uh, misrepresent goddesses. (laughs) (laughs) Don't 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 even joke with me right now. I am on the edge of my seat. I am I am I am I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm actually losing my mind because it's something that I talk about so often, and it's so so funny to me that this keeps coming up. 
but I would just like to make this disclaimer separate from basically what we've been talking about completely. Triple goddesses, as they as you think they exist, do not exist in Irish paganism. They also do not exist in Roman paganism or Greek paganism. The idea that Diana, Hecate, and Selene were all part of a triple goddess is not a thing. I mean, sometimes I think there's maybe one text that calls upon Hecate, Selene, and no, I actually don't know. I think it, it, it's Diana of the underworld, Diana of the land, and Diana of the sky. Um, so I'm not quite sure where the idea that like the, tri- the triple goddess idea for Diana or Hecate comes from Triformis, Diana Triformis, which is Diana times three, but it's all just different aspects of Diana. The whole like triple goddess when it comes to Namorigna, um, for those who cannot hear it, what I'm saying is Namorigna, and that is the Irish for the Morrigan. <laughs> let me hold on. Let me let me put on my best American accent. Your best the Morrigan. Um, oh, <laughs> or I mean, once you were saying it in um, Irish, all of a sudden you started saying it. Uh, now it that was painful, which is weird because that's even, in the right. Yeah, it didn't feel right for me either. But it even was in the um, right dialect, but wrong voice. <laughs> <laughs> Anne Morrigan is something that I see a lot as well. Um, an an a n is pronounced on, and it just means there, mostly. Um, and it's on Morrigan. Um, it's much more softer. There's not that o sound isn't so heavy. Um, it's a lot, lot sort of vowelier, <laughs> um, like the rest of the language, which is as you can see, three vowels in my name, four letters. So now I'm on pronunciation. I've gone off track. But yeah, when you're saying the Morrigan, you're not referring to one person. Um. It's Namarigna. That's what what I would prefer people would use. It's because that is more. Sorry, I didn't ever. I never even clarified the difference between Namarigna and On Morrigan. And it's Namarigna is the plural. It's the actual title for the collective. On Morrigan, mm-hmm. when you're just saying it, it just means the Great Queen. Like it's okay. not necessarily calling anyone forward or anything like that. It's just it's a title used for multiple different people. Like if you're not sort of specifying you're calling it's like saying i'm gonna i'm gonna call the king and not specifying which king you're calling um so namarigna the the collective my my beloveds um <laughs> i was that, so i was going somewhere with that that makes I a really whole was. like bunch of questions like who who is uh the morgan in that case like if, if what you're saying is like it's a collective then how do you differentiate who you're trying to you know connect to mm-hmm. but maybe well, that's just me they are all sort of established figures within irish mythology for the most part um the main three change depending on where you are because the original story is of three sisters um Baive, Maka, and I think an unnamed sister uh, called either Morigu or Morrigan. Um, and that's sort of like, that's the precursor to everything. That's like the foreshadowing. <laughs> um, and then there's a lot of additions to those sisters or where people will swap it out. Um, so Queen Maeve of Connacht, um, Co 
who was actually a queen uh, as well in the mythology. <laughs> mythology. Um, some people say Bone of the River Boyne, uh, the goddess of the River Boyne. Um, and then I've heard Dane, Dane as well. I, I see this is it when I start saying Irish names I slip into Northern Irish accents and it's really funny because when I speak Irish I speak it in a Northern Irish accent um no idea where it came from I grew up on the border my first Irish teacher was Northern I guess that's where it came from but like it just it, it, it slips out sometimes um I've seen Danu that is not one I personally believe that doesn't necessarily make sense to me because Danu is sort of like the as we like said previously, the overarching spirit of Ireland, like that big old land spirit in the sky, um, and sort of the mother of all gods type thing, or all the Tuatha Dé Danann, Danon, whatever, however, however you want to say it. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of people mixed in there, a lot of them, and it's gonna sort of vary a lot where you're gone and where you're not. And while Frankie is gone, actually, and on the topic of these titles, I'm going to drop in a little a little fun fact sure. for everybody. And that is that Irish gods and Irish deities usually don't have known names. Okay. Ain't that crazy? I can see that. Almost that makes some sense. Them, yeah, almost all of them are titles. Um, and... So like yeah, as like Namarigna, it's the Morrigan. The name isn't Morrigan. That's just the Great Queen or the Dark Queen or the Phantom Queen, depending on the translation. I prefer Great Queen. Um, even Bridget, uh, which has since become a name for humans. People call like Bridget is now an actual name, but originally it was like a just a, a title, and it meant sort of fiery and strong and true translations are a little bit iffy um they're even but like it extends to all gods and they also don't necessarily preside over certain areas so like nowadays we've seen sort of modern paganisms uh, a lot of it is drawn from sort of greek paganism or uh, roman paganism and stuff like that we see a lot of that like sort of style of worship being applied to different deities from different cultures and with that comes other things as well, such as calling a god the god of something, whereas we ne- didn't necessarily have that here. What we had was a couple different gods in areas, and you just sort of went to these gods for whatever you wanted. Um, but you didn't, like, they weren't worshipped, the same gods weren't worshipped all over Ireland necessarily. It was more that they were worshipped regionally for everything, and not so that there was, like, one god of something for the whole country. Okay, I can kind of see uh, what you're what you're saying there. So it's like a lot more space specific. Yeah, than- it's very very land based. It's ve- like when I say it's like a very land based path. I don't mean you got to go out there and stick your fingers in the dirt. Although that is always a good idea. Like that is never a bad never yeah, a bad thing. There's never um, a reason not to get your hands dirty. Yeah, there's never a reason. Never. Um, <laughs> and so it was... Oh, oh my God, wait, what was I just saying? Stick your fingers in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I but was saying... That yeah, is, okay. it's very it's, specific, but it's not, like, literally dirt specific. Yeah, it's just very region regionally based. And mm-hmm. a lot of sort of land spirits would be... Seen, not a lot, but there are a couple land spirits that are seen as deities and 
personally, I don't see any point in trying to work with them outside of Ireland. Obviously, this does not extend to all of them. But specifically, for example, I was talking earlier about Bone, the goddess of the River Boyne or the spirit of the River Boyne. Any yeah. other river in Ireland has one of those, but they're just a land spirit. Bone just has a specific name. And so I don't personally see any value in trying to reach out, worship or work with her because she's so fundamentally tied to this t- like little stretch of water. And I'm um, gonna, it doesn't really matter. To add on to that, there are certain saints in Italy that are very tied to vic- like towns and regions. Mm-hmm. So working with them without that kind of regional association, it doesn't totally make sense. Like I know the patron saint of my ancestor's town, but that patron saint is also very tied to that town and I've never been there, even if my ancestors have. So Mm. it doesn't totally make sense for me to start petitioning Our Lady of the Pillar when I have no physical association past blood with her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I it's, go sorry, go ahead. So I guess the only things that I would have a question about, like that, because uh, I, in general, totally agree with you. Um, but if it's like something that's kind of open, uh, would it almost be better? Because at this point, we've created a goddess of the Morgan, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we've done at this point. Uh, yeah. Is it almost? acceptable to use some of these smaller names when you're trying to put a name to a uh, spirit, like an egregoric type of deal. Because not everybody has that, you know, mental capacity to go, hey, you are that uh, Denver, Lakewood, Highlands Ranch spirit. You know, instead we would find some sort of spirit of the wind and some sort of name from an open practice that would go with the wind or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, complicated question as I make everything, apparently. But um, the I, I don't necessarily... It's not something that I would do myself. Um, it's It's not really either something I would see as disrespectful in a way, I don't consider it disrespectful as long as, like, the research is done behind it. Um, I go ahead, honestly. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of validity there. Definitely do it if it works for you. And if it works, then go ahead. Just be respectful about it. Don't don't be a dick, okay? <laughs> Just Fair don't enough. be a dick. <laughs> Just that's my advice. Like, a dick. Perfect. Yeah, that's honestly, that's my advice for every person out there trying to sort of reconnect with their roots and um, establish themselves as an Irish pagan. Just don't be a dick because I, it's, I, I think sometimes it can come across as if I have a lot of vitriol and hatred towards sort of the diaspora of Ireland and sort of the descendants of these diaspora. But um, that is not true. I absolutely not. Like I do have a lot of love for these people. And I do want to help them reconnect in whatever way that I can. It's just that I need you to listen to me a little bit more and to other Irish people when we speak. Because I have had a lot of interactions where I have very, very gently corrected someone on something. And they have turned around and said, excuse me, I am Irish American. Do you know who I am? Do you know what my second name is? 
Uh, excuse you. I know exactly what I'm talking about. It's called, specifically with the Lady Morgan one, someone turned around to me and said, it's called establishing a title. And that is exactly how they said it. And I almost climbed through my phone. Um, <laughs> so just, just be Jesus. nice to me, please. Nice. That's all I'm asking. Oh, and on his way to smack some <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> Listen. But yeah, um, those are my sort of... My dog is having a fit. Please wait. Is there... Okay. Well, I was going to say, is there any anything else that we want to touch on? I feel like most of it's been hit. Yeah, in a roundabout way, we definitely, definitely hit everything on the, the agenda because I, I started talking at some point and didn't stop. Um, and I'm pretty sure I covered everything within there at some point. <laughs> um, I would like to talk a little bit about Irish politics and the sort of role that that plays within Irish folk practices and mm-hmm. folk Catholicism. Yeah, because, let's start with that. Yeah. So I, the Irish sort of political history is very, very long and very, very complicated. We have been, we've been through a lot, okay? <laughs> we've been through it. And um, specifically, I'm going to start where everyone knows with the famine. We call it Angarti more because that just means the great hunger because, you know, we were hungry and we had the food. It was just being taken from us and exported to England. Um, so there wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a famine so much so that we suddenly didn't know how to grow crops and suddenly we had no food. Oh no, we weren't stupid. That's not what happened. And that's sort of the picture that's been painted a lot mm-hmm. by England, especially to this day in English history classes they pretty much still teach that it's like oh you know those those silly irish folk they forgot how to grow farms they forgot how to make stuff and it was just like no we've been doing this for thousands of years you just stole all of the food that we had actually sorry about that um and there's a lot of misinformation surrounding irish history and irish history plays a very large part in irish folk practices and irish folk paganism mm-hmm. irish paganism yeah um and so that is why i am firmly firmly of the belief that sort of cultural study and sort of decolonizing that little idea in your head that you have of ireland because it is almost certainly wrong especially in terms of like the ira Uh, a lot of Irish Americans will praise the IRA and be like, yeah, the good guys that fought off England. And a lot of Irish people are kind of sitting there like, okay, but they were also like actual terrorists. Like this was not, this was not a good thing. Okay. There's been a lot of development since then, since y'all left and uh, they're not so great anymore. Um, I believe actually within the last five years, the new IRA, I think they're called, or the real IRA or something like that. They have a lot of very stupid names and sub-factions, even though they were technically disbanded when the Good Friday Agreement was signed, um, killed a journalist in Belfast, Lyra McKee. And they were, there was a lot of outrage about that. And that was just very recently. And even in Belfast, like in the last two years, I think with COVID, um, a couple of Catholic families were chased out of uh, their homes in an estate in the north by the the UVF in quotation marks because it's not the actual UVF. It was like a, a militant group that was much more localized. Um, 
and these sort of things these sort of sectarian sectarian violence still happens very much to this day and a lot of people are very seriously affected by it especially those who grew up and live around the border area um i've seen a lot of stuff in my time as a as a as an old timer like myself um i've experienced a lot of sectarian violence and witnessed a lot of this awful stuff that happens and doesn't necessarily get reported on the news because it gets buried a little bit because you know the the troubles are over all of the stuff is over this doesn't happen anymore and it's like no it just happens much more quietly now and i don't think a lot of people realize that um and there's just there's a lot of violence and a lot of sadness and a lot of tragedy in irish history that i really think people need to get a get a grip on and sort of get a hold of within their mind before they can start to fully grasp and understand Irish paganism and Irish folk practices because a lot of these practices were sort of created at least like sort of like the defensive ones or like the like the hexing and stuff like that was mm-hmm. created because of this um, and a lot of it is very deeply tied in with sort of the IRA and the troubles and English colonization and all that sort of stuff. So final thought, learn your history. (laughs) Definitely. I think that that's pretty fair for just about any folk practice. The very idea that you can practice really anything without understanding uh, the influence, the historical prevalence of why it's being practiced. It's kind of like grabbing a random tool and just smacking a random like uh, car and trying to fix it that way. Like grabbing a hammer and trying to use it as a screwdriver. Like you don't understand what you're doing with it. It's like making cake with a bread recipe. Yeah. I mean, you'll get something. Uh, Just probably not what you're looking for. Exactly. And that's actually, that's the metaphor that I like to use. It's like you're trying to make a cake and you're using a bread recipe for this. Um, You need to learn how to make cake. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even though cake is disgusting. And if you don't agree with me, you're probably (laughs) anti-Indigenous. I cannot believe that you just did this to me. How dare you back me into this corner? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm joking. Cake is still gross. <laughs> I think you're a sick individual. I cannot believe you do not enjoy a lovely little slice of cake with your coffee and your little, just a little, a little bit of cake. You know, just some, some nummies, a so, snack. To be fair, I, I think most cake here is like spongy pound cake whereas Mm. everywhere else in the world cake has a texture that's not this weird spongy perturbing sweet thing it's like eating a sweet sponge here and that's so gross to me um but every time actually i know what you're talking about yeah see I don't know. Everywhere else, they describe cake in a very different texture. So I'm like, is cake just better everywhere else in the world? <laughs> Final thoughts. Listen to Irish people. Um, learn how to make cake. And <clears throat> don't try to separate the Catholic from the pagan. It will work for a while, but you will not get the full picture. Uh, Learn history. I mean, that's really all I ever got here. I got nothing. All right. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> How can I live, laugh, Final love in thoughts, these conditions? Head empty. <laughs> head empty. No, thank. 
Um, this has been Books and Broomsticks. I'm Kiata Quichot. And I'm Matt Hatter Plays. Thank you so much for having me. I have been Owen on Kyla. Um, and we'll talk to you guys next week.